If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves and put the interests of others um, above your own. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. They lost it. <laughs> being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, to will and act in order to fill his good purpose. Thanks, Joe. That's great. So we are looking at Philippians 2 today, which is the second in our series of uh, our series entitled Grow Up. So I don't know if you're a fan of buying products with Bible verses on them. Uh, if, you're, if you are, you are in luck with this series. The range of Philippians merchandise is wide and varied. You can buy mugs, hoodies, watches, fridge magnets and even biscuit jars with verses from Philippians plastered on them. And it's easy to see why. Philippians is the source of verse after verse of encouragement and inspiration. However, upon closer inspection, there are also some tougher, more challenging verses for us to grapple with. The kind missed off the keyrings and the calendars. Philippians 2 contains a somewhat uncomfortable verse Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not the kind of verse you send on a greetings card to your auntie. <laughs> this verse and this passage should challenge us to grow up in our faith in two main ways. To grow our relationship with God and to grow more like Jesus. Last week, Holly introduced this series on Philippians entitled Grow Up. By posing the question, are we maturing in our faith? Are we growing up? Holly focused on the verse, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And asked if we are living as though to live is gain and to die is Christ, as though Jesus is just some sort of insurance policy. This week, we're going to look at how to live so that to live is Christ and what that looks like in our daily lives. 
So let's begin at the end of the passage. Continue to work out your salvation. The whole passage can be viewed through this one part of verse 12. But what does it mean to work out our salvation? Does this mean that we have to earn our relationship with God through what we do? Was Jesus dying on the cross really not enough to restore our relationship with him? Is there something else that's missing? Something else we need to do to strive to earn God's love? Is God like some sort of fusty, disagreeable father who we must please in order to have a relationship with? The answer is definitely no. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, not by works, that no one should boast. Our relationship with God was not formed because of what we have done, not because we have been good enough, nor by having done enough good things. Rather, we have a relationship with God by accepting that Jesus came into the world, died on the cross to remove all of the rubbish, all of the sin that separates us from God. And God does not just weigh up our good deeds and our bad deeds and see which side the scales fall. The way we can form a close relationship with God is not through our own good works, but through God's grace, an undeserved, unearned rescuing. By Jesus taking our sin upon himself, all of the wrong things that we've done upon himself when he died, he set our relationship right with God. He removed the barrier. We cannot try and bridge the gap between us and God. The chasm is far too wide. But Jesus has, thankfully, bridged the gap. And when we accept that Jesus has done this for us, then we can have this amazing, restored relationship with God. But is that it? Is it just a once-in-a-lifetime decision to accept Jesus as the one who made the way for us to know God? What then for our day-to-day lives? How does that affect how we live out the rest of our lives? So Jesus made a way for us to have an ongoing relationship with God. And how we work out our salvation is by growing that relationship with him. How we live so as to live as Christ is by growing our relationship with him. How our decision to accept what Jesus did for us is by growing our relationship with him. Now, the phrase relationship with God is in danger of sounding like a bit of a Christian jargon buzzword phrase. So let's just treat it like it's any other relationship. We need to treat our relationship with God a lot more like our other relationships. Like the relationships we have with our family, our friends or spouse. And in any committed relationship, for example, between two good friends or a child and their parents, or within a marriage, there is the assurance of one who will not leave us, who is keen on having a relationship with us, and it's just the same with our relationship with God. We are assured that he will not leave us. He is excited about having a relationship with us, and at the moment we accepted Jesus bridging the gap between us and God, we enter into a life in which we can have this really close relationship with God. And Philippians 2 begins by reminding us of that relationship in verse 1. Therefore, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any compassion, if any common sharing in the Spirit, 
It's clear that once we have started our relationship with God, there is an ongoing relationship with him that we have. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Friends, for I have everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls us friends. Friend is someone who we have a relationship with and with whom we want to pursue a relationship. We want to grow a relationship. Jesus desires to call us friends. He desires to grow his relationship with us. But like any relationship, it's two-sided. And like any relationship, our relationship with God takes work on our part every day. And this is what Paul means by working out our salvation. So continuing to work out that relationship, to continue to work out the relationship that salvation gave us, this is what we mean by growing up in our faith. Growing, developing, deepening our relationship with God. That's what it means to work work out our salvation. Okay, we're going to have some table talk. So this is your 30-second warning for the kind of forced social interaction which some of you love and some of you despise. Um, So I just thought I'd give you a little warning to prepare for the full-scale excitement slash horror that may may stir in you. So I I often think that we over-spiritualise our relationship with God. okay, And we ought to treat it a lot more, just like our other relationships, with people. So now's your opportunity to share with each other just for a couple of minutes, what are the most important things in a relationship? What are the most important things in a relationship? That could be a family relationship, with friends, or with your spouse. So a couple of minutes in a relationship, what are the most important things? We'll come back in a couple of minutes. Many of those things that you will have discussed um, are also important in our relationship with God. And I do think that we often over-spiritualise our relationship and we ought to treat it a lot more like our other relationships with people. Have a think about those things that you've talked about. Have a think about how those could be applied to our relationship with God. Maybe some of them couldn't be, but I think a lot of them could. Um, One example of a good relationship should be marriage. Uh, A few months ago, we had a series on marriage at G2, and we learned how marriage should be a reflection of God's relationship with us. And we learned um, that, sadly, a relationship between a married couple can often actually be better than our relationship with God. A married couple will often work out their marriage vows better than we work out our salvation by working out our relationship with God. A good marriage, or equally a good friendship, or a good family relationship should be a great example of how our relationship with God should be. Um, During your table talk, um, I guess you'd have shared some things like commitment, spending time together, doing things the other person likes, doing things together every day, or just doing nothing together every day. Um, Just not ignoring the other person's existence, but doing life with them. That's generally a good idea. 
And those are the kind of things that our relationship with God should have too. Paul encourages the Philippians to work out their salvation. Our relationship with God takes work to grow. But we do stumble and we make mistakes. And I know that I can be really challenged to commit to God one moment, but in practice, in the everyday, forsake those promises to him. And on a Sunday, at the end of G2, I can be really challenged to live my life differently because of a renewed growth in my relationship with God, but then can make it for days without growing it further. As with our relationships with our friends or family, our relationship with God takes work to grow. There is a hymn which talks of the human heart as prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We continue to work out our salvation because, like in any relationship, we suffer temptations to leave the one we love. We suffer temptations not to try and keep up the relationship. The temptation to not call your mum or hang out with that friend that you've not seen for a while. Easy to lull ourselves into a false sense of security that relationships don't take work. But like a loving mother or father or brother or sister or husband or wife, God loves us unconditionally. That love's never in doubt. But sometimes we can monopolise on that. We can take advantage of the fact that Jesus will always love us and be pursuing relationship with us. But it's true that our relationship with God takes work. And this is what Paul means by working out our salvation. The question is whether we embrace the daily struggle of leaving behind the wrong things that we choose to do and embracing our relationship with God, or whether we forget him in our decisions and choose to live a life that ignores him. What about the second part of verse 12? What does it mean to work out our relationship with God with fear and trembling? It raises the question, do we take our relationship with God too lightly? Or do we pursue it so that the rest of our lives are affected? Over the last year or so, I've been to uh, five weddings, and I think I've got at least six um, scheduled for the next 12 months. So I've become quite used to the format of the wedding service and the kind of words they use. In the wedding liturgy, there is a statement that no one should enter marriage lightly. And like a marriage, entering a relationship with God is not something to be entered lightly. Like a marriage, you need to know what you're letting yourself in for. In this passage, Paul is reminding the residents of Philippi that even though he's no longer with them, not to forget their relationship with God, to take their pursuing of God seriously as he puts it, with fear and trembling. Just imagine for a second that you're Paul. Imagine that you've left the Philippians, you're much further away from them, and you want to write your letter in the strongest way to urge them not to forget about their relationship with God, to place the utmost importance on it. You're going to use terms like fear and trembling. Do we live our lives any differently because of our relationship with God? Do we live them any differently? Relationships have huge effects on our lives. Our lives are altered by who our friends are. Our relationships dictate who we are as much as we may or may not want them to. How we live our lives is highly influenced by our relationships. Our lives are influenced by who we have relationships with, 
and what state those relationships are in, kind of how good the quality of those relationships is. Now, our relationship with God, if we choose to grow it, if we choose to pursue it and deepen it, will affect how we live our lives. It affects the choices we make. Our choices of how we treat other people, how we view ourselves, how we hope for the future. A sign of how much a relationship is worth to you, of how committed you are to that other person, is how it affects the rest of your life. Our lives should look different because of the relationship we have with God. But what exactly does that look like? Have you ever noticed that people with very close relationships, be it two close friends or two people that are married, start to look the same, sound the same, wear similar clothes, start liking similar things? You may know people like those. I won't name examples. (laughs) Almost as if they've started imitating each other. I'm going to carry on and just ad lib. So it's almost as if people who are in good relationships start imitating each other. And the question is, how well do we imitate Christ? When we admire someone, be it a close friend or a family member or a spouse, we desire to become more like them. And in doing so, do become more like them. Our relationship with them causes us to grow more like them. It causes us to kind of imitate them. So we want... Are we okay? Great. So, it's almost as if they started imitating each other. With sound as well. That's always good. That's the main point of the video. I can't, I can't dub this. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going again. I'll just keep going. Don't worry. Okay, maybe if I keep saying. Okay, thanks, Hannah. Okay. So if you <laughs> if you notice that when people have a very close relationship, it's almost as if they start imitating each other. Yeah. Imagine that. Eh? It's almost as if we need like a popular culture reference to help us understand what imitation each other is. Not necessary, though. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. You like awkward humour. Yeah. So let's think about that and applying it to how we relate to God. So when we when we are in close relationship with someone, we want to reflect them. We end up imitating them whether consciously or subconsciously. And similarly, our relationship with God should make us speak and act and think differently. Think more like Jesus. Act more like Jesus. Speak more like him. By spending enough time pursuing our relationship with God, by reading his word, getting to know him more, 
we should become more like him. So the question is, how good are we at this imitation game? So perfectly timed, the release of this film. How good are we at imitating God? How good are we at becoming more like Christ? Uh, In verses 5 to 11 of Philippians 2, Paul shows us one way in which our relationship with God should affect the way that we live. Paul says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, fully God, humbled himself to become a man and died a humble death. Jesus displayed true humility. Uh, Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So do we live to serve and not be served? Do we love those who we would otherwise hate with the love of Christ? Do we treat those judged by society with the grace of Christ? Do we serve those whose society would have serve us with the humility of Christ? But what does humility look like in practice? It might be putting others above yourself. For example, uh, bringing along a couple of presents for the food bank. It might be showing forgiveness to someone. Because when we start to grasp how massive God's grace is, we grasp how, therefore, we are owed nothing by anyone. This leads to Christ-like humility. Now, this may seem a daunting prospect for you. Often our lives look nothing like Jesus, and it's tempting to write this kind of thing off as too high a demand for our behaviour. And without knowing Jesus, it is. But through having a relationship with him, These things seem normal, and they seem easier to do. Have a look at the first few words of Philippians 2 again. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, Paul is encouraging us to grow more like Jesus because we are united with him, because we are comforted by his love, because of the relationship that we have with him. We should be humbled ourselves, by Christ's humility. Our relationship with God should so impact our lives that we start growing more and more like Jesus. And there's a difference uh, between becoming more like Jesus without a relationship with him and becoming more like Jesus because of our relationship, growing out of our relationship with him. If we do not have a relationship with God, we can look at the humility of Jesus as a good example a source of good ideas and inspiration. But Jesus was so much more. To, tw- uh, to quote Tim Keller, to focus on Jesus as just an example is to reduce him from sovereign saviour to ethical coach and to transform the gospel into law. Speaking of the day we meet, G- uh, of the ma- of the day we meet God, Jesus in Matthew 22 says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did, not, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. It's a warning 
against having the good deeds without the relationship. We should not have the outward appearance of being like Christ, of doing good things, without God knowing us and us knowing God. Why would we? We should grow more like Jesus through growing our relationship with God and not have one without the other. Growing our relationship with Jesus should transform us. It should help us grow more like him. So what's our response to this? The bank could come up. We have a lifetime ahead of us to grow our relationship with God. That's the way he made us. But what could be your first step? What's your attitude in going away from G2 today? It could be remembering him tomorrow when you walk into that lecture or that seminar or your office or your house. It could be setting aside some time uh, to commit to deepening your relationship with God. It could be on a lunch break or when the kids are asleep or in the middle of an essay crisis and you need a break. It's spending some time being aware that we're living in relationship with God, not forgetting it, and letting that relationship transform us to become more like Jesus. It could be realising how Christ's humility in dying on the cross means you can forgive because forgiveness takes humility. It could be realising that you're owed nothing by anyone. It could be realising that God has covered everything so you're free to forgive others. Your response could be generosity. It could be being generous with your time, with people. Realising how humble God was in freely giving us Christ. It could be giving presents to the food bank. So let's spend just some time now thinking, are we growing our relationship with God? And so growing more like Jesus. Are we growing that relationship? Are we committing to God just like we would to our spouse or our parents or children or friends? And in doing so, are we growing more like Jesus? Let's spend some time just talking this through with God and just spending some time with him. It would be a good time to ask God to help us to see just how we can grow our relationship with him this week, what our first step might be. And in doing so, how we can grow more like Jesus. I'm just going to pray to lead us into this time. Father, we thank you that we can have relationship with you. Thank you that you came down and you gave Jesus as a humble sacrifice so that we could know you. I pray we would live the rest of our lives growing that relationship with you, that we would grow up in our faith by committing to you, by growing that relationship, and in doing so, becoming more like Jesus. Lord, humble us with Christ's humility. And may we not forget you this week but grow closer and deeper and know you more.